waking up, I was on the other side. I was in the astral realm and there was, I want to say thousands because they were all on top of each other. Like even some layering on top, but it's really hard to explain the visual, but it was like chaos of angels, guardians, ancestors. They were all discussing on what they were going to do with me. And it was just chaos. It was like they were arguing with each other. Like, what are we going to do with her? Because I actually wanted to let go. I didn't really, I don't know, I can't really explain it, but I guess my body and my soul just didn't want to come back. Welcome to A Woman's Blessing podcast. My name is Lynette Allen, and this show is dedicated to honoring the strength and resilience of women. Over the past 20 years or so, I've held hundreds of sister circles and hosted some deeply healing medicine retreats where I've been really humbled to hear the stories of women of how they've overcome really hard life situations. Women are so resilient and so brave and we develop courage and determination we never knew we had when we find ourselves in critical times and we pull ourselves through no matter what's going on. This show is about meeting those women We'll be hearing their most personal stories to reveal how they got through, what they did exactly, where their strength came from, in order to inspire you. And I have such joy in introducing my guest today. So a couple of months back, Corona hit the world and I was due to fly six women in from Europe to Bali for a beautiful five-day cacao training retreat. It was all planned. It was everything was in place. I was super excited about the whole thing and so were they. Some of them had packed and then nobody could fly. (laughs) But this lady, the lovely Eleanor, decided that she really wanted to work with me sooner rather than later anyway. So we started working together. Hi, Eleanor. How are Hi, you? Hi, Eleanor. I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased because we've had, I don't know how many coaching sessions now, but we've been working on developing the medicine woman in you. You are an extremely intuitive, plugged in, amazing shaman yourself. You have that in you and it's growing. Every time I coach you and talk to you, I can feel it and see it. And together we've been treading this path. I've been really honored to be holding your hand through this part of your journey. And then you wait till the like the last ceremony that we had online, right? To tell me probably the biggest thing that I didn't know about you. Do you want to tell my listeners what you told me <laughs> on the last ceremony? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had a car accident when I was 17 years old on August 3rd, 2012. It was the experience that completely was the pivotal moment that changed my whole life and course of my life. So am I just diving in and saying the whole story now? <laughs> Dive in. <laughs> okay, all right, let's do it. So August 3rd, uh, I had a car accident. Um, there were five people in the car. Basically, um, I was at a friend's house for a party and uh, my parents owned a nightclub. And they couldn't pick me up from the party. So one of the girls that was there, um, she said her brother was picking it up with his friend and they could drive me home. And so he did. And he turned up in this shitty little car. Sorry about swearing. Am I not allowed to do that? No, no, you're allowed to swear. It's fine. <laughs> this is an adult podcast. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> 
Um, and uh, there was no, the seatbelts weren't working in the car, uh, which turned out to be what saved me, actually. So five of us driving down a highway, and um, but it's, it was like the kind of highway that you, there was turns that you could turn on the highway. If you wanted to go to a, like a little supermarket, it was an illegal turning to get there. You had to cross the opposite side of it, uh, of the highway. And so um, he did last minute thinking he could make it before a car was coming the opposite direction but it was also um sunset so the the sun was kind of in his eyes so he actually didn't calculate very well <laughs> how far that car was from us and how fast it was going so the guy was actually speeding too and as he's turning I actually took the full impact of the car accident I was sitting behind the passenger seat and actually thankfully because I wasn't wearing a seatbelt I was able to push onto the other people if I was stuck in that place, I would have been completely uh, squished. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know in the movies when everything's like, they show everything being slow motion and blurry when you have some kind of accident going on or traumatic experience? Yeah. It literally was that for me. Yeah. And my b whole body was numb. So I don't actually remember the actual hit, but I remember then being w waking up on the ground on a white towel and I couldn't speak. Like I, I could tell my, my mouth was full of something and I thought it was my teeth. And because I thought it was my teeth in my mouth, I didn't want to spit it out because I didn't want to like lose my teeth. That's what I was worried about. <laughs> mm. And my whole body was numb. Like I literally my your body protects you in that moment. And I had no feeling and I had no idea why everyone around me was freaking out. And it, and also it was slow motion and blurry. I was very confused. And this girl um, comes up to me and she's handing me a phone saying, your mom's on the phone. She wants to talk to you. And obviously with a mouthful of glass, actually, and my teeth. Oh, no, it was glass. Yeah, so oh, the window darling. smashed on my face. So my, my, my left side of my oh, face um, was all smashed up. I have beautiful scars now on my face. <laughs> And yeah, so what actually happened is um, my, my I broke my pelvis in multiple places and my jaw in three places and the base of my skull. Um, Did you manage to talk to your mum? Like somebody's handing you a phone with your mum on the other line. Did you manage to talk no. to her? How did yeah, that work? I actually got really angry. I remember getting frustrated with her. Like, can you not see I'm not in a place to talk to my mum right now? <laughs> I had like saying no with my head. Oh, wow. And, I, and I'm sure that worried my mum even more too. My, my dad actually managed to make it to he like told my mom not to come I think he had a, a knowing of what he was gonna see and didn't want my mom to see it but actually saw mm. me being like that which was really upsetting for him so they they put me in an ambulance with my best friend who was also in the car also no one else got injured um the only other injury was in the car that smacked that crashed into us there was a broken arm and a broken leg but in my okay. car, no one else broke anything. And so I was in the ambulance wow. with my best friend at the time. And I remember holding my hand and t letting me know everything's going to be okay. And I, and I just generally knew everything was okay. And I think that's because I generally felt that there was nothing wrong with my body apart from my broken teeth in my mouth. Mm -hmm. So I, had, I actually had no idea how bad my injuries were. The whole time, there was no panic actually in me the whole time so getting to the general yeah. hospital and the doctors said to my parents we don't have the equipment to save her they just didn't have the equipment to actually repair her pelvis okay. and so they said we, we need to send her to the private hospital so they sent me to the private hospital the doctor said to my parents all right so what we're going to do is we're going to cut her in half operate her the next day like remove <sighs> her like her muscles ligaments and plate her back to front on her pelvis 
and then the same with her jaw. And my dad had this intuition feeling that this doesn't seem right. He asks him, what, what's the chance she, su- she survives this operation? Because he wanted to operate me the next morning. Yeah. And the doctor says, well, if she yeah. has internal bleeding, she'll die on the table. Well, it's a common fact that people that break their pelvis has have internal bleeding. So he was literally okay. up to kill me and he didn't care. Like, that's what it seemed like. He was like, well, this is the only thing I know how yeah. to do, what to do. And this is it. <sighs> okay. So thankfully, my bus- my dad's business partner at the time, it was only for about a year, not even, that they were business partners. He came to the hospital. Uh, he's from Israel. Um, so he had connections with a hospital in Jerusalem called Hadassah. It's one of the best hospitals in the world. So he calls up his friend who works there. He says, send me her scans and everything. The doctor says to him, do not let them touch her. We're sending an air ambulance right away. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's me, Lynette. Like, my dad's business partner having that connection and the doctors in Israel recognizing that the doctors were going to kill me in Cyprus and said, no, we're sending an air ambulance right away. Wow, that's angel work right there. Because your dad, I know your your dad had not had that business partner no. very long. And, and at that time, he phones him and says can you help here? Cause I don't know yeah. what to do. And he says, hang on a minute. Let me talk to my yeah. mate. <laughs> He's in the best hospital in the world. We're just going to yeah. sort it out. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And he pays okay. for everything too. He paid for everything. Yeah. We paid him back when I had my, got my compensation six years later, actually. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Wow. Yeah. We're talking angels and blessings yeah. right there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you got flown by private ambulance to the best hospital yeah. in the world. <laughs> I do remember the, it, it was it was like a, a private jet too. I, I remember the whole thing. It was really interesting. And I remember my parents freaking out the whole time. And I was like calm as a cucumber. Like I was cracking jokes, making everyone laugh. I really recognized that I was the only one that could calm everyone down by showing everyone mm. I was okay for everyone else to kind of be okay. Mm. I really remember that really strongly. Like just keep laughing and smiling. I was telling myself. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, it was, the plane ride was actually pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, the plane ride was fun. Right? As a parent, this gives me hope <laughs> for any future eventualities that the plane ride is going to be fun. Yeah. Okay, my I've got that. I'm mortified when I talk about my car accident, actually, because to them it was obviously really traumatic. And they're just looking at me like, how? Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, yeah. Okay, so I got to uh, Jerusalem. I remember there was like 20 doctors, one after the other, checking me. They did like a full check, uh, body check. They checked everything. And then the first thing they did after that was the plastic surgeon stitched me up. Um, so he said he couldn't remove all the pieces of glass in my face um, because if he did, he'd make more scar damage. So he left a lot of the pieces of glass in my face. And he said that in the next couple of years, we'll remove some more. And then also some will spontaneously come out as like spots or they'll come to the surface, basically. And so over the years, I've had a lot of pieces of glass taken out. um, And I still have some now. But he said, that's not a problem. Like, yeah, apparently it's not a problem to have broken glass in your no, actually, my friend has the, has the same thing. I have a, a friend here who's a similar age to you. He was involved in a car crash and he has he had a lot of broken glass in his arm. 
and even now he has some yeah. in there and sometimes he can tease it out if he finds it and, and other times it's just a lump and he's like well there you go but yeah that I've, I've seen yeah. that yeah I actually had one big one on my lip and it kind of became my party trick <laughs> oh no <laughs> And you could like grab hold of it and like move it. This is why you survive. Like nothing else, right? I don't know about angels and blessings, but your sense of humor has got to be part of the reason why you recover. Yeah, anyway, yeah. let's get on with the story because the rest of it is is pretty phenomenal. So you're taken to hospital by private ambulance. Uh, yeah, and so they stitched me up and then they put me in the ICU. They put me in an induced coma for five days for the internal bleeding to stop before they could operate on me. And then on the fifth day, they did a robotic surgery. So instead of like plating my pelvis, they put two screws in the middle of my pelvis and then an external fixation. So this massive, it was literally a huge thing, a metal thing sticking out of me and screwed on both sides of my hip. And then with my jaw, they just wired my jaw shut to keep it in place for it to be healed. So I had that the external fixation and my jaws wired for two months. I was like that. And then they took me back to the ICU. Eleanor, um, I'm, I'm like, I'm not saying anything. I'm just shaking my head. I mean, geez. Okay, that's just huge. Yeah. It's, wow. It's interesting. Yeah. I guess it is the humor that makes me not think it's that huge. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think there's something about when it's happening to you as well. Like, I, the only thing I can equate to this is childbirth. So when I had Livy, I was cocooned in a whole world of my own through this process. I was looking through a, in the deepest trauma of it because it was very mm-hmm. traumatic. I was looking through a teeny tiny, teeny tiny hole that was uh, my my relationship with the world which was uh, Rosie, my oldest daughter, who had my drink, and I needed that, and Mark, no, Mark had my drink, and Rosie had my TENS machine that she had to tap because I had no other way of communicating at that point other than through a touch of the thumb. And in my head, I knew I was fine. I was completely in control. I knew I was fine. But outwards, I knew that I was making these terrible noises, <laughs> screaming in agony. But it was like two worlds. And I think it sounds like mm-hmm. regardless of all of what you were going through, you had this internal, you know, comfort, knowledge, yeah. Um, yeah. intuitive feeling that you're fine. It doesn't matter what I look like or what's going on on the outside right now. Yeah. I'm healing. I'm fine. You hit the nail on that. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. It is an intuitive knowing. I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like you're trying to convince no, yourself no. either. It's you actually know. It's everything's fine. It's all under yeah. control. You're just dealing with something. Definitely. Yeah. Huge bravery. So you come round from the surgery. <laughs> yeah, your jaw wired shut, jeez. And this metal coming out of your hip. Yes, just after the surgery. So I remember waking up um, and then looking down and my left side starts hemorrhaging. And <laughs> it was literally just woke up for that moment and then they knocked me back to sleep. Yeah. And they put me in, in another induced coma for five days to control that and to treat that. I actually read the the records last night, <laughs> like all the written records of everything that happened. And yeah. they wrote that yeah. the bleeding spontaneously stopped in the hemorrhaging. And so did infection in my lungs. And this is another angelic story that my dad experienced through this. 
my parents took it in turns to um, watch over me in the evenings especially so they could both sleep and so my dad was alone um, this is the fifth night after my operation and obviously with the infection high temperature this angelic lady walks into my room in the ICU my dad has never seen her before and she's literally he said she was literally glowing white light and she just comes over me and takes this syringe puts it through my nose and sucks up this solid green goo out of me and so this is what your dad yeah. experienced not what no, you no 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 my dad yeah my okay. dad experienced this and then she wa- walks over to my dad and she and he says she says to him your daughter's going to be okay and then literally disappears my dad went out to go after her oh. to say thank you and she vanished my dad oh my just, like literally believes she was not a person it was an angel uh, he has no doubt in his mind. I've never had so many tingles in my entire yeah. life. Yeah. Wow. Um, that to me is a wild <gasps> story. I lo- I actually got my dad to tell me the whole story again. <laughs> okay. Wow. So that's your dad's experience. I've spoken recently to somebody who was in a coma after a very bad accident, and she had this whole internal world that was going on. What was going on for you? Do you remember anything of what was going on for you in that coma? Yeah, so that's the next crazy experience for me. After the lady came and took infection, it all cleared. And then that's when they took me out the the coma that next morning. And waking up, I was on the other side. I was in the astral realm. And there was, I want to say thousands, because they were all on top of each other. Like, even some layering on top. It's really hard to explain the visual, but it was like chaos of angels, guardians, ancestors, some that I recognized, I recognized my grandma and my um, great grandfather. And they were all discussing on what they were going to do with me. And it was just chaos. It was like they were arguing with each other. Like, what are we going to do with her? Because I actually wanted to let go. I didn't really, I don't know, I can't really explain it. But I guess my body and my soul just didn't want to come back. Um, So they were trying to convince me <laughs> that I should stay and why I should stay. Do you remember what they said? No, because it was literally chaos, Lynette. Like, it was like talking over each other. I couldn't make out anything. But the feeling, I knew exactly what was going on, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually, my parents told me that out loud, I was saying this out loud um, during this experience, I want to get off the train, but they won't let me get off the train. I don't know what a train is but I don't know maybe it's some kind of um maybe it's like a metaphor for life you wanted to get off the train and they're like no (laughs) and so I made the decision through that and that's because they explained to me why I had to stay that I had a bigger purpose and it wasn't my time yet and so I decided to stay and because I decided to stay and come back I also made the decision to live and that's why when I woke up from my coma that was it. Nothing was stopping me. I had it, like, it was engraved in me that I was going to make through. <laughs> nothing was going to stop me to get better. Nothing was going to get in my way. Yeah. And nothing got in my way. So just before I woke up, my, the doctors told my parents, I'm really sorry, but um, your daughter's not going to be able to walk for a year, and she's going to have to miss her last year of school. Um, so car accident, 3rd of August, my school was starting 7th of September. So only in a month after my car accident. And this is already 10 days after yeah. because you've had five days of the first induced coma, then the operation, then another yeah. five days. So we're 10 days yeah. in 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. So actually waking up from the coma, that that room with all the spirits, it's like the doctor was kind of like pushing them aside and as he was like making way through them. And then the second he got to the end of my bed, they all disappeared and I was fully awake. Oh yeah. man, fantastic. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. And, and that experience is clear as day, Lynette. I, that was the, the most clear experience I've had with the spirit world. And yeah, so the doctor, when I wake up, he asks me, he was an amazing doctor. And that's also why I got better so quickly. And is because I had incredible doctors that really cared. So just after telling my parents, she's not going to be able to walk for a year and miss her last year of school. He asked me one wish I'll grant it for you. What is it? Um, And I said, I want to go to school in September. And he goes, okay, let's do it. (laughs) Um, and I guess he just saw something like a, a, I don't know, like a twinkle in my eye and he just couldn't say no. <laughs> and he knew that that, that was going to make or break me if he was going to say no. Yeah. Yeah. And so they moved me to the orthopedic ward. Um, I had a psychiatrist come check me and then I had a, a, a physical therapist come every day and I was like moving my feet and exercising to start moving my body. And actually, my my auntie is a Reiki master, and she called me pretty much every day um, during that experience. And she was taking me through cleansing my chakras and balancing my chakras and doing Reiki on myself. Mm-hmm. So I did Reiki on me every single day and balancing my chakras and taking care of my spiritual body really well. And she actually took, um, she did a card reading for me. She did my past, present and future of this angel tarot deck that she has. And my present was the angel of power. Um, And the angel of power represents that you can overcome anything that happens to you in your life, no matter what it is, no matter how challenging it is. And I actually got that tattooed on my leg, that angel. And it's a reminder that I've gone through the worst and I can overcome anything. And so that gave me power too and so much empowerment. And just having those spiritual tools actually, I really believe, saved me as well. Yeah. Especially how quick I got better. I think it's because I was doing energy healing on myself every day and having that knowledge and those tools under my belt. Yeah. And so that experience um, taught me the power of healing that we have inside us and the power of belief and determination yeah we're just so incredibly powerful that it it takes to have a really bad experience to realize just how strong we really are because we're so much stronger than anyone's ever told us growing up so much stronger than we've ever been told to believe I actually think that's completely true I mean we're not taught as children how strong our body and our faith and our intention yeah we're not taught that are we as children we're really not And I I really think that's part of the reason why I had to experience that was to learn just how powerful us humans are to then help people realize that and find that within them and activate that healer inside them because we are all healers. And so I know from talking to you before, like on our last coaching call, when you just bring this beautiful, amazing story out of nowhere, like it was, oh, I had fish and chips for dinner last (laughs) night. Um, you said um, that you got to school, you went to school, right, on that mm-hmm. first day? I did. I made it to my first day of school. They sent me on a plane back home uh, and I finished, I was recovering at home. And so I had to change my 
my gauzes every day and I had to inject myself every single day to prevent blood clots. Okay. And then so yeah, I went to school, first day of school, 7th of September, in a wheelchair. With your mouth wide shut. With my mouth wide shut because I couldn't eat food. However, I I actually used to like melt food and like push it through the wires. Oh, I was so desperate to eat actual food. But yeah, so my I had we had so much fun with my friends wheeling me around school. It was a ball. It really was. See, this is the thing. It comes back to you and your humor and your just your willingness to see the fun in everything. That that's got to be an aspect of you that has helped this yeah yeah I do believe that and the support around me that enabled me to have that humor yeah 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 yeah. and your friends must have been a a big big support because I remember my school days and you know your friends are everything and you know you get a lot of a lot of support from them so you must have had you must have been very popular at that time yeah maybe my car accident made me popular (laughs) I don't know (laughs) Oh, you certainly were talked about, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I did have some amazing, incredible support. Even my teachers were incredible. I was really lucky to be at that school, mm-hmm. actually. So we talked about several aspects of this. Like the human side is you have a car crash. You're so close to death. A business partner that your dad has only just taken on flies into the scene, gets you sent to the right hospital in the world, pays for everything, just makes sure that you get the best attention you could possibly do. There's this angelic aspect, this connection to source that was undoubtedly a key player. And also your dad must have been connected to have had that experience as well, or just very connected with you in that moment. How do you use that, you know, in every day to get through things? And, And how do you think, how important do you think that was in your healing at that time? I mean, it was everything. It was maybe the most important aspect of my healing. I mean, it's not just about the physical, right? When, when, you, when you have these tools, the spiritual tools, the energy healing and knowing how to balance your chakras and just knowing how to navigate and have that connection with your internal world, that is everything. Mm. If our internal world is projected out and that's what our external reality is of what's going on inside us, if you aren't taking care mm. of what's going on inside you, of course, the circumstances around you will change. And also your your mental well-being will change. I just had this intuitive knowing that everything was going to be okay. And it was everything was going to be okay if I was doing the work, if I was doing the energy work every day, no matter what. <laughs> and that did become a huge part of my life because I, I realized how pow- it's like there's no way I can deny how powerful having that connection that alignment and doing that work is yeah it's become everything to me and especially knowing and being tapped in with the healer inside me that we all have having that connection to the healer inside you it's in us literally I did have my auntie who's a Reiki master so I grew up knowing about angels knowing about Reiki and energy healing and knowing about my chakras so I, I did have some experience, but I wasn't implementing it every day. So was this your first yeah. like <laughs> introduction to, no, we're, we're serious. You have this gift. Everybody has this gift, but you really need to use this now every day. That was your first real intro 100%. into that? Yeah, that was the catalyst. Right, okay. My, my awakening journey started from that experience. What would you say to somebody else 
who is perhaps going through something like this or in any difficult life situation, any trauma, any accident, but certainly any life difficult life situation, and they've never really thought about their own healing power or angels around them or their own spirits and guides, how would you sort of introduce that to them or or invite them to introduce that into their life what should they do it's actually interesting because I've realized that you can't tell anyone what to do especially in regards to to this spiritual and the tools and I don't know how I would say how they could start because it, it is a choice inside them that they have to make to be able for that to really work it's like in moments like Mm. that you have no choice but to try anything and everything to survive um but they have to make the decision to survive first and that's actually something I really learned through that experience because I made the choice to live in my coma which is why I woke up and why I was so dedicated to getting better and I really learned that we have two choices to live or to die (laughs) die doesn't have to mean actually die but going down the spiral mm-hmm. of the world is against me, you know, there's nothing I can do, like it's over. But w- even if we make the choice to live, we still have the choice to die. If we make the choice to die, we still have the choice to live every moment. Moment by moment, we have that choice. I made that choice to live. And for me, there was there was no way I was going to die. Like it was so... Like, I was going to try everything and anything that I knew how to do to get myself better. And Mm. actually, I have had someone recently who has, who's found out she has cancer. And I did, I I told her about all these alternative methods that she could try, but she just doesn't want to do it. There's just, yeah, and and that's okay. And, And so I don't really know what I could say to someone, how they could start their, their journey with this using these tools. I think you've just said it. I think you've just said it. So from from the other podcasts that I've done, I'm seeing a pattern and I've seen it already. But this is sparking it again in my head. The pattern is whatever somebody's story, however desperate or low their life got, there was one moment where they said, where they like sat on the sofa or where they're in a coma or where they just go, hang on a minute. No, we're not doing this. This is the decision. We're doing this instead. And that's what you're talking about is somebody has to be pushed to that point. It was described to me 20 odd years ago as a moment of clarity. Everybody has a moment of clarity where in any given situation you say, okay, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to pan out, but I am not doing this anymore. And they don't know how to do anything different from that next few seconds. But what has changed is their intention. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah, 100%, definitely. It is just in that moment <laughs> that you decide to live and there's nothing that's going to stop you. Honestly, your bravery and courage, I would like to you know, congratulate on a human level because you're just an exceptional young woman and I've worked with you for a few months now, so I, I know you pretty well. But I think what you're highlighting is a deep desire in somebody at a critical moment to say okay I've made a decision that's the decision and then everything comes together and I do think there's an awareness of if we have an awareness of angels and beings and guides and a connection to a higher self or to source then we can use that we can think about energy healing 
But even those women that I've spoken to who have not been aware of that, life has turned for them. And they got a phone call out of the blue or somebody just happened to mention something or they saw a leaflet somewhere and then they followed their instinct. So I don't think it's it's necessarily about having to be aware. I think you're guided and helped even if you're not humanly aware of the help you're getting. Would you agree? 100%. I agree with that. Yeah. So two months with external fixation and my jaw was wired. I went back to Israel to remove them. And then I went into rehabilitation. During, like actually having the external fixation on while I was recovering in Cyprus, I was practicing to get up and to start walking with my external fixation. I was practicing walking. My, My brother and my mom had me walk up and down the corridor in our house like every day to practice. And so I actually learned how to walk fully with my external fixation still on. So when they took it off, I was walking like, okay, no, I wouldn't say normally. I still like it was very imbalanced and I still had obviously a road of recovery, but I was walking pretty great. (laughs) I did some rehab in Israel and then came back home, had some rehab in Cyprus. And it only took, it was three months after my car accident like fully walking 100% mobily. Goodness me. Yeah, and and that's because every day I was doing that energy work on me. I was practicing to walk. I was pushing my my physical self and my spiritual soul aspect. Mm. And six months after my car accident, I did my Duke of Edinburgh Gold Award. It was a 40-kilometer walk. (gasps) Yeah, and that was actually one of my motivations to also get better is there was no way I was going to miss my gold DOE. Like, no way. I did bronze, silver, and it was gold, and I wanted to do it with my friends. <laughs> like, there was nothing stopping me. And I did it, and it was incredible. And actually, that's one of my biggest achievements in life, I'd say. Honestly, you get more and more phenomenal in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There is nothing you can't do. Your story's phenomenal. At the end of all of the conversations that I have, I talk about the three aspects of women that I use in my ceremonies and my coaching and and some of my rituals is the girl we used to be, the woman we are now, and the woman we are yet to become. And I'd like to ask you if you think about the girl you used to be, and that can mean you can take yourself back to any point in time, whether you take yourself back to childhood or to that specific accident, what would you say to that girl you used to be? Oh, um, that you're doing great. Don't do anything different. I wouldn't do anything different. I would just say keep going and you're doing amazing and you are phenomenal and I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and it's all going to make sense in the end. Just have trust and faith that everything's going to be okay and have trust and faith in the, in the divine that you are guided, you are protected and there's nothing you need to worry about, but just to keep doing you and doing whatever you're doing to get better because you are a miracle and you will be a miracle. Honestly, you bring me to tears, honestly. And every time I hear from somebody what they say in that moment, it's just, it resonates so much through my whole body. And the people that listen to these podcasts, they they tell me amazing things about how uh, these conversations have affected them and that advice like that. It's phenomenal. Forward to today, to your present, beautiful, gorgeous you, what would you say to the woman you are now, Eleanor? Again, I'm so proud of who I am (laughs) and uh, where where I've come um, with everything that I've experienced in my life. 
I've really proven to myself that it doesn't matter how bad of experiences that we have in our lives, that when you find that spark and that thirst of life to live from that one experience, that I had no choice but to have that. It's never left, Lynette. It's never gone. And I'm just really proud (laughs) of my wanting to keep evolve, to keep evolving and expanding and growing and um, strengthening my connection with my my higher self, my guides, my and having more trust um, in that and following this path because of what I experienced. I'm so so grateful for that experience because it led me to my spiritual path. I wouldn't have been able to have my spiritual path if it wasn't for that. Actually, I really believe that. And um, so no matter what, anything bad that ex- you experience in the future, Eleanor, <laughs> everything's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be more greatness, more gifts, more miracles. And that's on the other side of the bad things is it's like the, the worst of experience you have, the more beautiful of experience and gifts and blessings are going to come from it. I really believe that. that that's my experience in life. I'm smiling so widely. I wish you could see me. Honestly, I just adore you. Um, And having worked with you a little bit, we've spoken about this. Tell me about your vision of the woman you are yet to become. Yeah, (laughs) my vision is to be doing this, to be helping people. I don't want to do anything else but follow this path. And I, and I want to help as many people as I can, even if it's just by sharing my story. Mm. And I know that that's why I had that experience, um, was to help people through that. The woman that I'm becoming is a woman who is going to own a retreat, and I just want to help as many people as possible <laughs> um, with all these different alternative healing methods that have helped me. I want to apply them to help other people. And deepening my connection with plant medicine, too. Um which I actually didn't mention, but Mother Aya, Ayahuasca really helped me with that too, that my car accident came up in a ceremony, like it was the core of the whole ceremony. And um, Okay, it's no surprise that Mother Ayahuasca yeah. came up to you because I know you've worked with her for a while as well. And so she shows you everything. Yeah, she just made me really realize that I am a walking miracle. And she did, she gifted me with healing. I actually have nerve damage in my left leg. So it's my left leg is numb from my car accident. But 75% of that is healed because of Mama Aya and because of the energy work I've been doing on it too. Um, there's not much left of it. And that will be completely healed. I know that <laughs> in time. I have no doubt yeah. about that, my darling. <laughs> Thank you. You've just done such a sterling job of explaining everything. Anybody who comes into your ceremonies and has your healing in the future is going to discover their own divine having been under the influence of your divine i know that for sure you're an amazing young woman if you have a story of courage and bravery where you had to dig deep into your resilience and find your true power i would really love to hear from you because when women stand up and tell their stories they give hope and inspiration to those who are struggling right now we really do need so many strength sisters women we know and women we don't know to be held by, to be heard by, and to be inspired by. Dig deeper into your own self-discovery. Check out our coaching ceremonies to find both yourself and the medicine woman within you. Download our divine rituals to get you to your highest life purpose. 
at www.awomansblessing.com. From me and from Eleanor, thank you for listening all the way to the very, very end. I hope Eleanor's beautiful story has inspired you. Bye for now.